Okay, this is episode 10 of the Main Polls podcast, and this one is going to go over the special election that was held last month for State House District 27. I had initially planned on including this in with the episode 9, but I held off because the Secretary of State's office hadn't released the certified results to the public yet. But seeing as Governor Mills has already sworn in the winner and the Secretary of State still hasn't published the results for the public, I'm moving forward with what I got. And what I got for House District 27 special election are the numbers reported by the main Democrat party to the Portland Press Herald. All right, so let's take a closer look at that January 11th special election and see if it tells us anything heading into the midterms. Okay, House District 27. It covers most of Gorham and a slice of Scarborough. The seat was vacated by Democrat Kyle Bailey of Gorham back in October of 2021. Bailey had only just been elected a year prior in November of 2020, but according to Michael Shepard at the Bangor Daily News, Bailey stepped down from his newly acquired House seat to run the Protect Maine Elections referendum campaign. The vacancy was officially declared on November 8th, and three candidates ended up on the January 11th ballot. Former State Senator... Democrat Jim Boyle, retired Marine Colonel, Republican Tim Thorson, as well as longtime Gorham Town Councilor and running as an independent, Suzanne Phillips. And the Democrat Party declared Boyle the winner shortly after the close of polls. Boyle got 57% of the votes cast, Republican Tim Thorson pulled in about 38.5%, and Phillips, the independent candidate, she got about 4.5% of the total votes cast. When combined, it worked out to be 1,542 total ballots cast for this special election, and according to MPBN, voter turnout was less than 18%. This was the seventh special election the Maine legislature has seen since the 2016 general election, and the pattern that's emerging is not a good one for Maine Republicans. The last special election the Republicans won was back in November of 2017. State House District 56, representing Lisbon, voted 57% for the Republican candidate. But since that time, there have been six special elections to fill vacancies in Maine's legislature. March of 2019, State House District 124, covering parts of Bangor and Orono. June of 2019, State House District 45, parts of Cumberland and Gray. In April of 2019, State House District 52 and Brewer. In March of 2021, State Senate District 14, covering Kennebec County. This past November, in State House District 86 in Augusta. And now, in January of 2022, State House District 27, covering parts of Gorham and a slice of Scarborough all saw Democrats trounce the Republican candidate by at least 12%, usually more. Boyle beat Thorson by nearly 20% in January's election. I've listened and read quite a bit about the idea of a red wave coming into the 2022 midterms, but I'm not sure that's even possible in Maine. The fact is that over the last few years, Maine has gone from a state that prided itself on being politically independent, where Democrats would sometimes act like Republicans, Republicans would sometimes act like Democrats, and independent gubernatorial candidates had a sporting chance. But then, in just a few short years, Maine became a one-party rule state. 
looking at the registered voter data from back in November of 2016, 36% of registered Maine voters were unenrolled, meaning they didn't belong to any political party. That represented the largest registered voter block in Maine. Registered Democrats were the second largest voting bloc with 32% of registered Maine voters, and Republicans held third place with 27% of Maine's registered voters. And so, in order for either party to govern, they needed unenrolled voters to side with them during the elections. By July of 2020, so a few months before the last presidential election, unenrolled voters and registered Democrats flipped places almost exactly. 32% of registered Maine voters were now unenrolled, and 38% of registered Maine voters were Democrats. The registered Democrats replaced the unenrolled voter block as the largest registered voter block in Maine, and the unenrolled voter block fell to second. Looking strictly at the numbers, this represented a drop of nearly 45,000 unenrolled voters while the Democrats, it represented a gain of over 48,000 new members to their registered voter bloc in less than four years. Republicans picked up over 9,000 new members over the same period of time, but still remained in third with just 30% of Maine's registered voters. So now, the entire dynamic has changed. Not only did the number of unenrolled voters drop by the tens of thousands, the Democrats gained more than what the unenrolled voter bloc lost. The Maine Democrat Party doesn't need unenrolled voters to win elections anymore. They can do it by sending out a blast email reminder to only Democrats, or by arranging transportation to and from the polls for just their supporters, or focusing on helping just Democrats with absentee voting. It should be no wonder, then, that the Maine Democrat Party now controls both chambers of the state legislature the governor's office, the secretary of state's office, and of the seven justices serving on Maine Supreme Court, six are Democrat appointed. Democrats also now control both of Maine's U.S. House seats and enjoy the loyalty of an independent U.S. senator that will only caucus with Democrats. Maine's fate may be sealed as a one-party ruled state. They control all three branches of Maine state government, as well as three out of four of our federal delegates and they have a registered voter block large enough to keep winning elections without having to compromise as much with unenrolled voters, because they don't need as many of them to win elections as they did before. But if you're an independent or Republican-minded, it might not all be doom and gloom. There is, perhaps, a glimmer of hope. According to Shepard of the Bangor Daily, Democrats spent $44,000 in that January 11th special election. That's more money spent than on any other state legislative race in Maine's history, special election or otherwise, and nearly five times more than what the Republicans could muster together. That's a lot of money for a state legislative seat that, quite frankly, has been easily held by a Democrat for the past decade. Why? Why break spending records on a single special election? Why expend so much resource for a seat that should have no reason to be under threat? unless it was under threat. Why else spend so much, unless you thought that, for some reason, without spending that type of money, you would lose? $44,000. Divide that over 879 total votes cast for Boyle, and it works out that Democrats spent $50.06 per vote. 
The Republicans, by comparison, spent $13.49 per vote. About half, so $22,000 alone, went to canvassers. So those folks that go door-to-door, asking political questions, advocating for a particular candidate, and, as we figured out from Episode 7, are likely assisting in registering new voters, getting voters to change party affiliation, educating voters on requesting, filling out, and returning absentee ballots, maybe even bringing voters to the polling location. Canvassers can do many things. For example, around 67% of the absentee ballots cast in that January 11th special election came from registered Democrats specifically. Put another way, about 17% of the total ballots cast in that special election were absentee ballots cast by registered Democrats. It works out to be 264 votes. Okay, well, boil one by 265 votes. Without absentee ballots, without paid Democrat canvassers, the races in Maine, I think, would look a lot closer. I think this is important. It says something about what the Democrats are doing to keep their single-party rule. It also gives some explanation into why the Republicans are losing. They're either unwilling or perhaps unable to fund a comparable ground game as to what the main Democrats have built. And it's the ground game that Republicans need to be better at. Right now, their registered voting bloc is in third behind a block of unenrolled voters. And frankly, I don't think the Republicans can even think of getting ahead until they can close that gap. They need to organize more rank and file. And apparently the best way to go about doing that is to hire canvassers. Or at least that's how the main Democrats did it, by sending out waves upon waves of canvassers, armed with registered voter data and a clipboard, Maine Democrats in less than four years turned politically independent Maine into the one-party rule state we have today. And so the question for me now becomes, is Maine's move toward Democrat rule organic? Would Maine's seemingly permanent shift toward complete Democrat control have occurred if Maine's Republicans were able to afford a similar ground game? Are Maine Democrats winning hand over fist because the people of Maine actually agree with what they say and do? Or is their ability to win have a direct correlation with how much money they're willing to spend on an election? Would the Republican candidate have lost by nearly 20% if they also had $44,000 to drop on a special election? I think my concern is what we're seeing is a well-funded political machine outspending their opponent into obscurity, and instead of having a diversification of political ideology, like what was promised with the adoption of instant runoff voting, we're actually seeing political power consolidated under a single political party. Okay, I'm going to leave it there for today. I'll have some archive links up in the show notes for the articles I mentioned, And going forward, I'm putting a big data set together showing voter registration trends at a municipal level over the past few years, so some sort of analysis of that will be forthcoming at some point. There's a couple of other topics I've got in mind too, but I'm not sure what might end up in a podcast or will just be a write-up for the website. Alright, that's all I got. Thanks for listening.